All right, well, we are going to go ahead and uh, continue in our study of the Romans Road. Let's go ahead and uh, say this verse together, and we'll take away a few words. There's not a whole lot of words to take away, but we'll still try it. Say this with me, shall we? Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, yep, there they go, all the big ones. All right, ready? Let's say this again. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, let's take away a few more just just in case we need to remember what passage or what book this is from, right? Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and, and condemnation. Although, honestly, I wish I could put its uh, antithesis up there. It's uh, you know the alternate word for condemnation. But condemnation is in the passage. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm always trying to use as my title a word from the verse. So condemnation is what we are looking at today, but this is an important uh, part of the focus as we are walking down the Romans road. So if you were to be walking somebody through this, if you were talking to somebody and trying to explain to them uh, why to believe in Jesus Christ, it's, it's kind of similar for me. Uh, there are different methods of praying, and one of them that I learned when I was a new believer was Acts that you go through the letter of the book of the letters of the book of acts so i could remember adoration to praise god c is for confession to confess my sins t was for thanksgiving to thank him for things and then s was supplication to ask god for things now that doesn't mean that i always go through and tick off those when i pray but it helps me it's a it's a structure you might say that reminds me hey i should praise god I really need to confess my sins. I, I need to thank Him for what He has done for me. And the last thing I need to worry about if I'm praying to God is what I want Him to do for me. You know, there are a lot of things that are more important than what I want, especially because most of the time what I want isn't probably on the list as far as He is concerned. You know, No, He wants me to grow in Him. The same is true with the Romans road. You don't necessarily have to go through it all the time whenever you're dealing with people, but it can be a helpful guide and even reinforces our theology, what we believe about God in regards to our need for salvation. So as we're going down the Romans road, the first thing we see is that we are sinners. And Romans 3.23, we looked at this on July the 3rd, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are sinners. Oops, I... Ignore the top part there. I forgot to add a. Uh, I forgot to add something there. But we are all sinners, and then we go from Romans three twenty three to Romans five eight. What was God doing while we were sinners? But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we have that we are sinners, but Christ died for us. And then last week we added to that Romans. 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gifts for wages. That we receive the gift from God in, in exchange, in the place of the wages that we have earned in ourselves. And as we're looking at that, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We, we saw last week that you have death and life and they are uh, they're opposites and they are against one another and you have either what you've earned and remember wages are the things that we're supposed to live by that we're supposed to earn them so that we can live so I can go and buy bread and I can go and buy milk and I can live another day but our wages are killing us they are death but the free gift is life and 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 here's the thing that is obvious I realize but still needs to be said that you cannot receive both death and life. You're, you're going to get one or the other. You're going to get one or the other. And this is important. It means that if we are dead in our sins, that we do not have life. Our, our bodies may feel alive and we may go through our lives and people might say, well, you only live once and I'm living it to the best of my abilities. But we're really dead if we're sinners. But if we have received the free gift of God, if we have received eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, then we have life. And if you have life, you don't have death. And this is an important part. Okay, I know it sounds, oh, of course. But no, think of it this way. How often, even though you have accepted Jesus Christ, do you still act and live as if you were... Uh, Obeying the rules of death, of sin, of, of obeying the law of sin in your life. And, oh, I can't help this. Oh, this is something I've got to work against. And that's what this verse is saying. Romans 8.1 is a glorious, glorious verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, therefore, there is now no death for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is a mystery. This is something that we cannot prove, but we must believe. Jesus told us that those who die in Him, even though they die, yet they will live. That even though we have, on a regular basis, had people up here and we said goodbye to them and they were in a box called a coffin. And we buried them in the ground. If they were believers in Jesus Christ, they're not dead. Their bodies are left behind. We have experienced death physically with them. But Jesus has said they're not dead. Even if they die, yet they will live. And, and Paul tells us here, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No death. To be condemned. Uh, oftentimes we use the word condemned to mean the you know condemned to death. It's the judgment. It's the punishment that comes after being found guilty for something. You know, a, a jury might deliberate over a crime that is presented to them in court 
and the jury will come back and give a verdict. Innocent or guilty. After that comes the sentencing, the charging. What are we going to do? Or not the charging, but the sentencing. What are we going to do with you because you are guilty? That is the condemnation, the punishment for what you have done. We are told in uh, Romans 5.16, right after you know, we looked at Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 5.16, we are told the gift, remember that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. And, and Paul has been talking about Adam and how sin came through his transgression. Okay, For, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. We have been condemned because of the sin. And not just Adam, but all of us as we participate in it, uh, we all receive condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions. Many, we, we have transgressed God's laws. We have sinned against Him. Many transgressions brought about Jesus Christ coming to the earth and living and dying and rising again. That free gift that He gives us of eternal life. And it result is, it's resulting in justification. And, and so, you can't have both death and life. You'll either have death or you'll have life. You, you, you either under the condemnation and the sentence of death because of your sin, that the wages of sin is death. You have received it. You're condemned. You're walking around kind of like they used I, I doubt they say this anymore, but back in the day when we really, really didn't care about people's feelings so much, you know, a, 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 an, an inmate on death row, they would say, dead man walking. He was breathing and he might get a meal still, but he is dead as far as anybody is concerned because a sentence has been passed, a verdict has been reached, and a judgment has been made about how are we going to take care of him. We are going to put this person to death. They've been condemned. They may be living out that condemnation in a jail cell waiting for their dance, but whenever they walked, they're a dead man walking. And that is, that is our life outside of Christ. We may feel somewhat alive. We may eat, drink, be merry. We are dead people walking. But the free gift, it arises from many transgressions, but it results in justification. And justification is another legal term. Just as condemnation is the punishment that comes from, from a sentencing a judgment that you have done something wrong and so you're sentenced to punishment. To justify somebody or to justify something is to say that it was right or that you declare it to be right. So sometimes we try to justify our actions. You might have done something that was wrong or that somebody else comes at you and says that was wrong. You try to justify your actions. Well, I did that because... 
This is what I was trying to do. And we want to justify why we did it. And you can't justify yourself with God. You can't say, but God, you've got to understand, I was raised this way. Oh, I never got love in this way. Lord, I was just looking to try to fill the God-shaped hole in my heart. We can't justify ourselves. We're condemned. But Jesus Christ, when He came and died on the cross for us, He paid our penalty. And when He rose again, He gave, a, he, he, he gave us the ability to have eternal life. And when we believe in Jesus, we are not condemned any longer. We no longer have death over us. Instead, we are justified. Jesus turns our condemnation into justification. He tells us, you are right. Not because we are right, He makes us right before the Father. He makes us just. He makes us righteous. He proves us to be right, not by anything we have done, but because He declares it. So when when we say we have either uh, life or death, you can't have both. Think of all the times that you feel condemned in your life. Think of all the times you sin and you think, oh, I'm just a rotten sinner. No. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you're not condemned. You may still sin, but you are still justified in Him. And this is not an excuse to say, go and do whatever you want. But it is a a reason to think differently, to view our lives differently. Proverbs says that this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. I would say that is the way of an adulterous world. A sinful, corrupt, uh, rebellious world. The majority of people that we are around in the world today, they're not sitting there saying, oh, I did this and it was wrong. No, they're, they're doing stuff and they're saying, you can't judge me. I'm okay. They're wiping their mouth. They've, they've done their action and they wipe off their mouth and say, I've done no wrong. I'm good. And that is growing and growing and prevailing to be the way of our culture and our country today and the people of it. We act and we have done no wrong. What Romans 8.1 tells us is not, oh, I've eaten and I have done no wrong. No, what Romans 8.1 tells us is we recognize we have done wrong. I would say for a Christian the difference is I have eaten and you don't wipe your mouth, but you recognize that Jesus has wiped your mouth. You know, just like a baby. He wiped your mouth. And he doesn't say you've done no wrong. He says, I have justified you. I have forgiven you. And I feel like this is something that if we would tell ourselves this more, not as a way to excuse the sin in our lives, but as a way not to beat yourself up about a sin that God has already forgiven Because I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to live and walk around in the condemnation of our sin. We want to feel bad about the fact that we have sinned. We want to beat ourselves up for it so that we can somehow, through our suffering, help God forgive us. Whereas God, what He wants you to do is He wants you to take the death of Jesus on the cross and, in a way, not think twice about it. And what I mean by that is not to remember about it, but to accept it. Think of it this way. If 
if a father gives a child something and the child says thank you and then walks away, that's great. But if the child keeps coming up and every day, oh, thank you for that, thank you for that, thank you for that, you know, it's already been done. And maybe if the child comes up and says, you know, I really didn't deserve this gift that you gave me. Oh, I'm just so bad. What's a father or a mother to think and do? You kind of want them to get over it and let it go. And I think that's kind of to a certain extent what God wants us to do. To recognize that we've been saved. There is no condemnation. You don't have to keep bringing it up and beating yourself up for it. What you can do if it keeps rearing up in your life is to continue to recognize Jesus already died for that. Jesus has already justified me about that. Because what's happening, as you see, is, is you're not really being condemned. You're just really being accused. We accuse ourselves, and Satan obviously is a great accuser. But did you know he is not condemning us? Satan doesn't condemn. He doesn't have the right, the authority. Only, I mean, think about it. Let's go back to the, the court analogy, which is what Paul is working in here. My brother happens to be a, a prosecutor up in Colorado. He spends his life, and he has spent the last 21 years, or 22 years actually, 22 years doing nothing else but trying to build cases against people and put them away in jail. That has been his life. It is his great honor and glory and joy to put people in jail. Now, he doesn't want to just put anybody in jail. He wants to put bad people in jail. He specifically focuses on and has constantly had to fight to remain in special victims unit cases. Murders, crimes against women, crimes against children. That is his passion. Because he wants to take people who would hurt the innocent and the weak, and he wants to lock them up. And he's pretty good at it, if I do say so myself. I'm a little biased. But he's good at it. He doesn't convict anybody. All that time, he has never convicted anybody. He accuses people on a regular basis. He brings charges against them, and he says, this person did this thing. He brings charges all the time, but he's trying to convince a jury to, con to, to convict. He's trying to convince a judge and a jury to condemn to however many years that person needs to be locked away to pay for what they have done to somebody else. He doesn't convict anybody. He doesn't condemn anybody. He accuses. We have an accuser in our lives too. Pretty good at it. Doesn't have to make anything up. You know, sometimes you're watching the, the, the things in the politics, and one of the things I think about sometimes when a politician is being uh, you know, has stories thrown at them, and then the story turns out to be false. Like, why did you have to make something up? Isn't there enough bad stuff about this person? Did you really need to make something up? You know, if you really got nitty and gritty into my life, you would not have to make anything up. There is enough truth to convict me. You don't need to make up a, a story. And we have an accuser that doesn't make up a thing. It's kind of funny. He's the father of lies, and yet when it comes to accusing the children of God, he doesn't need to lie one bit. There's plenty in your life to accuse you. There is plenty in all of our lives 
to accuse us of sin. The difference is, the trouble is, is that the accuser is trying to say, oh, this is why this person is bad. This is why, this is why, this is why. But there's another one who is our advocate who says, but I died for him. I died for her. No, I have already paid for that. No, I already knew about that, and I'm not pressing charges because I have paid the penalty. We have the accuser and we have the advocate and we are before the throne of God. But He does not condemn. We may accuse ourselves, but we don't condemn. You know who condemns? The, the, the one who condemns, if we uh, stay in Romans 8, but just go a few verses to the right. Romans 8.33. In fact, Paul brings up this question. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who will bring a charge? Who can... The prosecutor, basically. My brother is a prosecutor. He brings charges. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Satan tries, but does he have a right? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? If God has justified us that we're under condemnation, if we have been made just... Who can accuse? Who can bring charges? Who, can, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Jesus is the one. God is the one who can bring charges against us. Jesus is the one who will, at some point in the future, bring charges against all those who did not believe. God is the one who has the ability to condemn. Because the judge is the one who condemns a person. In England, they have this practice when a judgment, especially in in, um, murder or capital type cases, are uh, pronounced. The judge will wear a black cap over his head. You know, and it's a way of... He does that when he is passing judgment. Because it's no longer that particular judge, it's the law passing the judgment. But the judge is the one who condemns. My brother can think somebody is guilty, guilty, guilty. But if he can't convince a jury, and if he can't convince the judge, he has no control. He's just a prosecutor. A jury might agree, yeah, that person is guilty, and yeah, we think this is the judgment that should be done. But ultimately, it's the judge who decides. Judges sometimes will reduce a sentence. They think the jury's come back too harsh. And they'll say, no, I'm just going to sentence this person to this amount. I'm, I'm condemning them to this. Sometimes a judge can think, this jury is way too lenient. I'm not happy about this. I'm going to throw the book at this person. I'm going to give them everything. The judge is the one who decides who can condemn, who can justify. Only God can condemn or justify. No one else. No one else. I, I, I can point out to somebody that they're sinning. I, I can accuse somebody of sinning. I cannot condemn them for their sinning. And, and, and in a similar way, I can forgive you for your sins against me and you can forgive me for my sins against you. And I can tell you don't worry about it. It's alright. But I can't truly justify you. I can't tell you that your sins are covered. Not, not by my power. Not by my action. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And therefore, in a similar way, only God 
condemns or justifies. So, so when we're looking at Romans 8 and it says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not Paul saying that. That's coming from God. God says there is no condemnation. He has justified us because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. That that if we believe in Jesus, if we are in Jesus, and that's an important part of this, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, if we are in Jesus, walking in Him, believing in Him, faith in Him, no condemnation. That means when the accuser comes, And that accuser could be your own heart. That accuser could be the devil. That accuser could be somebody around you. That accuser that says, when you've done something like you've done before and you'll probably do again, and the accuser comes and says, see, you now haven't really changed. You're, You're just the same person. You're just so selfish. You're just so vulgar. You're just so awful. The accusations and the accusations and the accusations. Now, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, those accusations end up being condemnation. You're so vulgar. You're so selfish. Yes. And left into your own state and on your own ability, what's going to happen? You're going to die in your sin and you're going to be judged and you're going to be sentenced to a second death. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you trust in Him, then the promise for us is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is one of the reasons why sometimes you'll see in a Romans road, Romans 8.1 will actually be the last step. And I've got one more after it. But the reason why we're doing it here is to remind you of what the promise is. That the promise is, is that, that we are all sinners. We have sinned. We fall short of God's glory. But while we were in that rebellious state, before we ever said, Jesus, if you'll just do this for me, I'll believe. No, without any... Con- agreement there while we were still rebellious he died for us because his love was so great that he showed us his love in this way and 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 so now we have between before us the wages of our sin which is death or the free gift that god offers us through jesus christ which is eternal life and if you accept that one you need to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus that if you believe in him all, the, all those wages of sin go away for your life. Now obviously we still experience the results of our sin in our lives today. We break down our relationships. We have trouble with one another and with the world because of sin. But our relationship with God, there is no condemnation. There is no need, once you have believed in Jesus Christ, to come back to Him and believe again. There's no need. I once had somebody that kept wanting to be baptized every time they kind of felt like they'd gotten away from the Lord. And I said, you don't understand what baptism is. You don't need to get up in the tub and wash. No, that's a one-time thing that signifies this is my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I am aligning myself with Him and I am letting everybody else know I am with Him. You don't have to do it again. Once you're believing in Jesus, there's no condemnation. You may not be everything you want to be. God may be working on you and helping you grow. I'm not discounting any of that. But it's helpful to know 
when you slip up, when you do things that are the old way of you, the things that you haven't gotten rid of yet or the things that God has not cleansed you of yet. He is not surprised. He is not shocked. He knew it was coming and He knows it. He died for you. If there's anybody who's not shocked about our sin, it's God. I think sometimes we can be shocked. You know, like, wow, I never really knew the depravity of my own heart. I didn't know I could sink to such lows. God is not surprised. He knew it would take something great like Jesus dying on the cross for us. That's why he sent him. So that's why there's no condemnation is such an important idea. I, I'm not saying that you're not sinning still. And I'm not saying you don't feel bad about the sin. But what I'm saying is that, that we need to recognize that God doesn't condemn us for it if we believe in Jesus. The question is, how do we know that we are those who are in Christ Jesus? How do you know? How can you know that there is no condemnation in your life? Sometimes that question uh, can rear its head up. And it can make you worry, especially if you're in sin. Especially if you've struggled with something or you're, you're feeling distant from God. You can start wondering, am I really saved? How do I know I'm walking in Christ? How do I know I'm in Him? Paul tells us uh, how we can know here in Romans 8 still. In verse 9, he's talking about the law of the flesh and the law of the Spirit. And that we're struggling with the fact that we have sinfulness in us. He says in verse 9, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Over and over and over again, this idea of the Holy Spirit being in you. When I was a kid, we were told to invite Jesus into our hearts. I know what we mean by that, but it's not true. We proclaim our faith in Jesus. We, we acknowledge His sovereignty. We say, I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to live my life by Him. I recognize my sin and I need Your forgiveness. And I will serve You, Lord. And we know that that is true if we receive the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid growing up, I always was worried that if I died, I'd go to hell. You know, I wanted fire insurance. A lot of people do. And so I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray at different times. When I was a senior in high school, I'll never forget, I was in a, a small group Bible study of, of senior boys in the church that I went to, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And I, I had grown up in the church. I knew all the stories for the most part. Uh, I had great input into my life. I was at the point, I had, I had already uh, preached a Sunday message once while on a camp 
trip with a bunch of adults. You know, I was the most talkative person, I guess. Uh, I, I had already taught Bible studies, and yet here I was in a Bible study, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and it was the first time my gob was shut. I had nothing to say. I had no knowledge, no understanding, no experience. A couple years later, when I accepted Jesus Christ, and my acceptance prayer was, God, you win, I quit. If you want this life, you can have it. They didn't teach me that when I was in elementary school. But I remember the next morning, the world was different. I'm pretty sure the world was the same, but it seemed very different. And from that moment on, I experienced and I knew what that Bible study was talking about two years earlier. I understood the Holy Spirit now. I could explain and talk about that experience of, of feeling God's Spirit in me, of guiding me, at times feeling distant, but that's more about me than Him. And that's why Paul's talking here that how do we know there's no condemnation? How do we know I'm okay? Well, let me just put it to you very clearly. We know we are in Christ Jesus if we experience the Holy Spirit in our lives. You'll, you'll know you're in Christ Jesus if you have the experience of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about a special second baptism. I'm not talking about all of a sudden you start rattling off in some language you never knew about. That's not a necessary. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the indwelling that He is living with us. We talk about you know uh, that we needed to uh, abide in Christ and Christ abide with us. To abide is to dwell. That, that we need to live in Him. Well, His Holy Spirit is living in you. If you experience the guidance of His Holy Spirit, Spirit in your life, you can know that you're in Christ Jesus. He is the seal upon your life. We don't receive Jesus into our hearts. We receive His Spirit. And then we know that we are walking with Jesus. And when we know that we have His Holy Spirit in us, we know that there is no condemnation. And if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, I'm not sure what that's like. I've never experienced that in my life. Then I would go out on the limb to say, I doubt your salvation. I don't usually like to do that because I don't know a man's heart or a person's heart, God knows the heart. But if you have never felt God's guidance through the Holy Spirit as a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if, if I'm talking about this and you have no reference where you can say, oh yeah, I remember that. Or yeah, I know what that's like. You know, it, it, it can be different for everybody, but we should all know I've felt the Holy Spirit's guidance. And if you have not felt that, I'm not saying feelings are what matter. This confirms for us our faith. It's not the faith. We don't believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus Christ. But to have His Holy Spirit guiding you, to feel His, um, not condemnation, but uh, conviction when you do wrong. To feel yourself growing in Him more every day or every year. If you've never had that, but you're like, but I believe in Jesus. You, you may, 
You may believe that Jesus existed. You may desire to follow Him, but you may not have necessarily placed your life in His hands. You may not have declared Him Lord. You may not have actually truly believed yet. Because the Holy Spirit is how we know. When we're not driven by the flesh, but we are guided by the Holy Spirit, now we know that we are in Him. then there's a really good chance in my view that you have not accepted Jesus Christ fully to live for Him. I was there. For several years, I was a Christian. For most of my life, I was a Christian. But it wasn't until I truly gave Him my life, not just, I want You to be on my team, God. I want You to bless me, God. But Lord, my life is Yours. You have at it. Whatever You want, it's Yours. Sacrifice to, to, to give completely up to Him. Have you gotten there yet in your life? Does the Holy Spirit confirm in your heart, yes, you're good. You're in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. Because that's that's what we're talking about here, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it may be if you're going through life and you feel condemnation still and you feel the, 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 the judgment and the accusations and you feel guilty, maybe that's because you do stand condemned. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have not truly, firmly believed in Jesus. That. You can't have both. You're either walking in life or you're walking in death. You're either condemned or justified. You either have the Holy Spirit within you or you don't. You can't have both. That's why this is an important part of the Romans road. Because we're all sinners. Christ died for us. We're deserving death, but He is offering us the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. The question is, is do we believe in Him? Do we accept Him? Do we experience the Holy Spirit as a result of our faith so that we can know we have no condemnation before Him? That's our question today. Let's go ahead and before we close in word of prayer, let's say this verse one last time together. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we, we thank You, Lord, that uh, even though we still sin, and we know we sin, nobody here can come away saying, oh, I, I don't sin anymore. I've never sinned since I believed in Jesus. No, we, we know we still sin, but we do not live by the law of sin, but the law of the Spirit. Because of that, Lord, we know that we have no condemnation. That we are, are guilty, but justified. Not justified in ourselves or in our choices, but justified through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that each person here who believes in Jesus feels the confirmation of the Holy Spirit in them to guide them in life and faith 
to teach us how to live like You, to have Your Spirit in us, to be of the same Spirit with You, Lord. But Father, we pray for those who maybe You are quiet to them. They can't hear You. They they didn't realize that they should be experiencing You when they believed. Lord, we pray if we have believed in Jesus that You would confirm it to us through the indwelling power of Your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for those that don't feel it. It is not about having the Holy Spirit, but believing in Jesus. But we pray, Lord, that that would trouble them, that that would bother them if they don't have Your guidance, have Your Spirit living in them. Lord, that it would begin the the search, the question, what am I doing wrong? I want to have faith. Maybe our idea of faith incomplete. Maybe our, our surrender to You has not been total. Lord, we pray that You would challenge our hearts today. That we would know for sure our standing before You. That we would live in faith and hope knowing that we are not condemned, but that Jesus has paid the price. But Lord, if if we don't believe, if we have not yet accepted Jesus, then I pray that we would stand before You knowing the full weight of our condemnation. Because there's no other way. There's no other way to truly come to faith in You than we realize just how great our need is. Lord, we pray that You would speak to us today in our hearts. That You would communicate to us in our minds that we might understand. Confirm for us our station. Help us to draw closer to You, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I do want to invite you this morning